Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, March the 18th, 2022. It is currently 8.57 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, typically, I don't do a live broadcast at close to 9 p.m. on a Friday evening, but now that I can do live broadcast right here from my home, here in the upstairs area, I now have a little bit more freedom, so... I, I don't know exactly how that's going to impact the my typical broadcasting schedule. It will obviously look a little different than it has in the past. There's still going to be days that I'm going to pack everything up and drive to the church and spend a couple of hours there. So it's going to be kind of this kind of a hybrid mix. Who knows? It maybe maybe it will turn into basically doing most of the live broadcasting right here from uh, my home. We'll just have to see. Hopefully the sound quality, hopefully it doesn't impact how things sound and and hopefully you're not going to notice a difference in any way, shape or form as far as the presentation and the sound. We, we will have to see, but I'm always looking for different ways, uh, obviously, to, to bring you uh, the best content that I can, to challenge you to think, uh, to inform you about what's going on in the world and in the world of Christianity. And of course, something that I have been very much committed to now for a very long time is our weekly Bible study exercise, where I turn on this microphone to try to get you from, from being, trying to move you from being a passive listener to an active participant by getting you engaged in Bible study, the Bible study exercise. I do some teaching. I give you lots of assignments. There is curriculum. There is the Bible memory app. There's so much a part of everything we do with the Bible study exercises. We're, we're constantly looking for more people to participate. So if you know anyone out there who's like, you know, I really want to dig into the Bible. I really want to study the Bible. Please point them to our podcast and let them know if you have the Church One app, if you, if you look for the series, you'll see the Bible study exercise series. There's now, I don't even, well over 200 episodes, I think, are available. So please use that. And of course, every week there's a new Bible study exercise where we dedicate an entire week to one passage of Scripture. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm just, I, I, I really think it's important that more Christians engage in constant consistent, systematic Bible study. Uh, Christians get, we, we get distracted by so much going on in the world. We cannot neglect that. And it also makes me feel better from a podcasting perspective, right? Because sometimes there are things going on in the world or something controversial going on within the world of Christianity. And I do feel at times a, a that it is important that I, to talk about these things. I feel that it's necessary. I feel that it would be wrong to ignore. Like, how can I ignore this? We have to talk about it. But if if I'm talking about this and talking about that, but we're, I'm not getting people to actually open up the Bible and study God's word, then I feel like then I'm I'm making the wrong thing the priority. The priority is meditating on God's word day and night. The priority is memorizing God's word. The priority is studying God's word. So I have to balance it out. Yeah, we we may take a number of episodes to talk about this or talk about that. We're always always looking for different things to discuss and talk about. I mean, that's why we produce so many episodes, but all of that has to be balanced out. 
by, okay, hey, it's time. Once again, open that Bible. Let's, let's dig in. Here's the text of scripture. Let's work on it all week. Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. Let's meditate on it. And, and not just you listening to me do the teaching, but I do the, I just, I do some of the teaching, but I hand it to you so that you're studying the Bible for yourself. I know for some of you who listen all the time, you're, you know, I know you're saying, I don't need to hear this again, but I, I, I want you to hear it again because I want it to be a constant motivator and an under, and I want you to constantly understand why we're doing what we do. Because sometimes I may be talking about a subject that maybe you don't like, or maybe you don't even prefer me to talk about, but understand how it's being balanced out by what else we're doing. If you understand that balance, then I think it hopefully, I, I, I hope it gives you the idea that this podcast is not trying to just be a one-sided thing or only one focus, that it's trying, it's trying to be, trying to give you a balanced theological perspective to help you maybe balance out your Christian life. Yeah, there's times we need to think about what's going on. There's times we need to talk about it. There's time, and then there's times to, to have theological discussions. And then obviously we have to have that daily time of Bible study. Just all of the different things we do, I think are all critical aspects to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. Every single thing we do, I think are critical aspects to your spiritual growth. So if we neglect any one area, then I think I'm neglecting those things you need for spiritual growth. You may not see that. You may not perceive that. And you may be thinking, well, there, there's some things here that you're not doing that I think is important to spiritual growth. By all means, tell me what those things are. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And I will do a better job in trying to provide those very things. I will do my very best to do that. But we have been obviously looking at some controversial issues over the last few days, and it's Friday, fast approaching Saturday, and that means Saturday is the end of this week's Bible study exercise. It's going to be over, and then next thing you know, I'm introducing a new week of Bible study, and we're moving, we just move on. It's just amazing how fast one week goes for these Bible study exercises. At times, it's depressing because I'm like, well, did we really get as much out of it as we should have? But uh, but I'm hoping that everyone is benefiting from it. And thank you for everyone who is participating, turning in your assignments and working on it. Even those who are maybe not actually participating by doing the work, if you're listening and it's benefiting you in any meaningful way, then I hope uh, that I'm glad for that. All right. But again, like, as I said, it's Friday evening. This week has all been, it's been about John chapter 14. Our focus has really been, I know the curriculum gave us the, the uh, they, they put the focus on the concept of trust. Now, I have not spent much time this week in the actual curriculum. I would challenge you, if you have time between now and the end of tomorrow night, at least open up the curriculum. Even if you don't have time to read it all, at least skim it and just kind of see where they put the focus and maybe it will just add, it will supplement some of the things that you focused on. But if you've been listening to me, I have put the focus on this phrase, John chapter 14, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And I really connected that with John chapter 13. But this evening, 
I kind of want to advance this. I still want you not to forget that phrase, let not your heart be troubled. I'm going to return to that before this is over. But I want to look at verses 5, 6, and 7. Because it's really this week has been John 14, 1 through 7. Even though we kind of spent a lot of our time in John 13 again. But John 14, 1 through 7. But we haven't spent much time in verses 5, 6, and 7. So I thought tonight I would turn on the microphone Not take a lot of time, but turn our attention once again to John 14, really emphasizing verses 5, 6, and 7. And I'm going to utilize something that I came across, I don't know, about 30 minutes ago. I came across an article that was written back in 2018 on this very subject, and I thought it may provide, well, even more context and more, more things for you to think about and meditate on. So if you have a Bible, John 14, if you have a notebook, have it open, and uh, let's just see where we end. If you're listening to me live on the Spreaker app, by all means, feel to ask any questions um, or to add just your thoughts and your perspective because it may be beneficial to everyone else who's listening. So here we go. John chapter 14. Thomas saith unto him, this is Thomas speaking to Christ, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, We know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Jesus saith unto him again, I want you to hear these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now, there's a lot we could do with verse 7, but I'm really going to emphasize verse 6. Thomas is obviously somewhat confused. Thomas doesn't really understand everything that is going on. And Jesus tells him, I that Jesus speaking of himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That is what I want us to focus on. If you want to write something down, just write down, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. I want you to really think about that, and I want you to, I want you to think about it from this perspective. The fact that Jesus is the way, the fact that Jesus is the truth, the fact that Jesus is the life, How does that help us not have a troubled heart? These disciples have a troubled heart because it's being, everything that's getting ready to happen. In John 13, we find out that Judas is going to betray Jesus. I'm not saying that it hadn't been talked about earlier, but it's it's made clear that Judas is the person who's going to betray him. And we've learned that Peter is going to deny him. So this little small group of disciples One of the disciples is going to betray Jesus, and the other one is going to deny Jesus three times. That may give this feeling that everything is hopeless, everything is falling apart. Obviously, Jesus is going to, you know, be crucified, died, and buried. These people are going to be troubled. They're going to think it's all over. They're going to be devastated. It's going to feel like everything is falling apart. And Jesus lets them know, let not your heart be troubled. And then when he gives this answer to, and you, and a sense in some ways, I think when, when Thomas is like, 
Lord, we know not whether thou goest and how can we know the way? This seems to show, I think, in a way that Thomas is experiencing some trouble in his heart. He is concerned. He is confused. And for Thomas's confusion, for Thomas's troubled heart, I think in a sense, Jesus offers a solution here. The solution is, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I think that really sets this up. Now, I could stop right here. And I could have you work on, okay, wh- how does it take care of a troubled heart knowing that Jesus is the way? What does that mean practically? How does it take care of a troubled heart knowing that Jesus is the truth? What does that mean practically? And what does it mean that knowing that Jesus is alive, how does that help your troubled heart practically? Right? Now, work on that. Send me your work to newsif at yahoo.com. Good night. I could stop right here, but like I said, I have an article here. And this is what they suggest. All right, you can tell me whether you agree or disagree. All right, here we go. We're going to work on this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What Jesus really meant. Now, I found the title somewhat interesting. It caught my attention because when an article is written, what Jesus really meant seems to imply that a lot of people misunderstand what Jesus really meant. Hey, hey, this is what he really meant. Everyone is confused. This is what he really meant. Well, okay, I'm, what is their perspective? Let, let's find out what their perspective is this evening. Here we go. The article begins. Many of us are familiar with John chapter 14, where Jesus tells his disciples that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But what did that saying really mean for them, and what does it mean for us? Now, I I think specifically he's referring to Thomas, but I'm not, by no means am I saying he's not also speaking to the rest of the disciples. But just to be clear, he's directly answering the question Thomas asked. But what did it mean for Thomas? What did it mean for them? What does it mean for us? I think I think that's 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 good. Let's see how they answer this. They're getting ready to provide some context, which is always a good thing. This conversation happens on the last night before the crucifixion, during the Passover meal. Before this, Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, predicted his betrayal by Judas, and predicted his denial by Peter, and told the disciples he would soon be going away. All of this prompted questions about where Jesus was going and why it was that they could not follow him. Basically, all of this created a troubled heart. They're troubled. And again, remember in John chapter 13, Jesus is troubled in the spirit, and it's the exact same Greek word as troubled here in the heart. Just if you you haven't been with us, I think that's a very interesting concept there. But all right. John chapter 14, Jesus uh, states this, and they start with uh, verse one. And if you, if I go, if I go and prepare a place for you, now we, I believe that preparing there is not the fact that he's going to go to heaven and spend 2,000 years, I don't know, straightening up heaven, cleaning heaven, building a room, what? No, I believe he goes to the cross to prepare the way for us, right? We've already talked about that. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going, okay? You know the the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? 
Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well for, as well from now on. You do know him and have seen him. Now, I don't know what translation they're using, but it was, I, I, I was almost just, just from memory trying to read it as if it, well, I'm reading from the King James. So it's a little different there, but we get the basic idea. Now, by using this phrase, Jesus is establishing that knowing him is not only the ultimate meaning and fulfillment of life on earth, but the only way to really know the Father in heaven. Okay, we could talk about that. So let's break these down. First, I am the way. This is what they say it means. As Jesus tells his disciples that he is the way, there are multiple meanings involved. Number one. First off, he addresses our very human instinct to know where we are going before we start a journey. The disciples wanted to know the next step, the next turn, the ultimate destination of where this journey and faith would lead them. When we have a long trip ahead of us, we want to turn on our GPS and get an idea of how long it will take and the roads we will travel on to get there. We determine the best, fastest routes and then start our journey. Thomas was looking for, in a sense, the same kind of information. I think Thomas was looking, I think Thomas was looking at it in a very literal way. In fact, I think if you go to, through John 13 and some of the things Jesus says in John 14, I think the disciples are constantly demonstrating that they're somewhat baffled and confused by what Jesus is doing and saying, because in many cases, they, they don't understand maybe the, the spiritual significance of what's going on. I mean, Jesus even said when he washed their feet, you don't understand what I'm doing. And well, that makes no sense. Because clearly they understand that he's washing the feet. The point is, they didn't understand the spiritual significance, the spiritual picture that he was demonstrating. When Jesus says, I'm going away, they're looking at it like, oh, he's just, he's going to go somewhere. Okay, well, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way to get there. Like they're, they're looking at it from a very literal perspective. Obviously, Jesus is signifying more than just I'm going to go to another town. I'm going to go to another region and be there. No, he's, he's referring to ultimate death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He's going back to the Father. There, there's some things there they still not do not completely grasp. So, But it is true that I think he's addressing our very human instinct to know the way. Thomas is looking for some kind of information. Now, this is what they say. However, Jesus, Jesus makes it clear that they or we won't know the defined way we are supposed to travel in life. We are instead tasked with simply knowing and trusting in Jesus daily and walking in faith that he is the way. When we abide in him, we will not know a defined course, but we can rest in the comfort of faith that he will lead us exactly where we need to go as we walk in him. Now, let me stop here. They're getting ready to face some absolute confusion. Jesus is going to die. He's going to be buried. There's, I mean, they're, they're going to scatter. It's Peter's denying. Judas betrays. Judas kills himself. They've got to be fearful for their own life. It, it feels like everything that they have done, maybe everything they believe, they may feel like that it's all falling apart, that it's just, it makes no sense. And what he offers them for direction is himself. I am the way. 
And the thing we have to learn from this and your life and my life, we will find ourselves constantly in times where we don't know what's going to happen next. It may feel like everything is falling apart. It may feel like that every day is filled with more unexpected twists and turns and bad news. And we can be, we feel like that we're walking around in the dark, that we're confused and we don't know what to do. We look to Jesus. He is the way. If you want to know the way to go, you follow Christ. You look to him. I know many Christians, especially in the charismatic world, they believe that, you know, Jesus is going to speak to them and tell them, you know, what house to buy and what car to get and who to marry. And that that Jesus is like giving them specific details day by day and what to do. But I think we need to understand something. Jesus doesn't speak to us like that anymore. His revelation is complete in the word of God. That's it. He doesn't, I don't look for some still small voice because even if I'm trying to look for a still small voice, the voice would be inside of me. And how do I decipher between supposedly the voice of Jesus inside of me versus my own sin, my own desires, my own emotions? It, it, it's just spiritual chaos and spiritual anarchy. And in many cases, you're going to say Jesus told you something when all you did is tell yourself something. And it's just, and then in many cases, you're putting words into the mouth of God, which I think is completely blasphemous. No, that's not the way it works. If you want to know what God wants you to do, the will, what direction you're supposed to go, follow Jesus. He is the way. You follow him. You walk in him. That's what you look to. All of these specific little small details, all you have to ask yourself is, is doing this or doing that, am I going against something Jesus clearly says don't do? Am I violating the word of God? Am I going, and if it's not a violation of God's word, then you can't, you don't have to sit there and try to figure out, well, I don't know. Is this God's will? Is this God's will? Look to the word of God that gives us God's will and to know the way to go, just follow Jesus. Whatever, wherever you find yourself, no matter the place, no matter the circumstances, whether it's good circumstances, bad circumstances, whether you're in a place you love or a place you hate, whether the job is good, whether the job is bad, whether things are going well, whether there's sickness, tragedy, just follow Christ. He is the way. And we have that instinct to want to know the way. And the answer is Jesus. I know that sounds like a church answer, but it really is. You look to him and don't look to him to hear some small voice. No, you just follow him. You look to him. I think that that's some profound advice here. So at first, this deals with our instinct to want to know the way. All right. And we look to him. Second, they say, in John 10, Jesus compared himself to a good shepherd. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very, very, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is comparing himself to a shepherd and us to his sheep. Sheep don't choose their own path to safety and protection, but rely on the shepherd to guard and care for them. In order to be safe, we have to trust the shepherd and not wander off from our own adventures 
on our own adventures and try to find our own way. This will lead us to danger and pain. But when we follow Jesus, he leads us to exactly where we need to be. So they said the first meaning is it deals with our natural desire to want to know the way and the way is Jesus. Second, it deals with the concept of Jesus being the shepherd and we follow the shepherd. The shepherd is the way. Whichever, you know, wherever the shepherd goes, we just follow him. It's not that the shepherd's going to turn around and explain it to the sheep, right? I know sometimes that's the way we picture it in the Christian life that, okay, stop and listen, okay? I pray and I listen, I listen. And then Jesus is going to somehow tell me the way. The shepherd doesn't turn around and say, hey, sheep, here's what we're going to do. He goes that direction and the sheep follow. We just follow Christ. How do we follow Christ? We look to his word. It tells us what he, his will is, what he condemns, what he tells us to do. It's right there in his word. That's what we follow. Are we ever going to follow it perfectly? No. That's why our salvation is not dependent on what we do, but what Christ did. Finally, he is making clear that he is the way to the Father and by extension to heaven. He says that he goes he goes to prepare a place for us, and this suggests that after we have, co- have completed the journey of this life, we will find ourselves in a place of rest where the Father is. So finally, that when he says he is the way, he is the way to the Father. If, you want, if we want to get to the Father, we have to, go, we have to go through Jesus. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to salvation. It goes with that concept as well. I think it covers all of that. Right. What about the truth? All right, he is the way. What about the truth? What is truth? How can we know truth? After Jesus had been arrested, he found himself standing before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. He had been accused of blasphemy, of stirring up the people to revolution. revolution, And it was rumored he called himself a king. And speaking to him, Pilate found no evidence of any crime worthy of death, but was fascinated by his talk of a kingdom that was not of this world. Pushing back on the idea of whether this lowly carpenter from Galilee truly considered himself to be some kind of king, Jesus replies, you say that I'm a king? For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate's response comes in the form of a question, the same question that humanity has been asking for centuries, the same response to Jesus that keeps so many from the faith. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Jesus answered this question in John 14 with the disciples when he tells them, I am the truth. I am the truth. That's a powerful statement. In fact, if Jesus is not truly God, that's that's a narcissistic, egotistical, crazy person talking. But Jesus, it's because, well, he's the eternal son of God. He's 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 the son of God. Uh, Jesus can testify to the truth and teach the truth because he himself is that truth. In him, there is nothing false, nothing misleading, nothing fake or uncertain. Each of us are capable of knowing truth, but none of us can claim to actually be truth. There are too many things we don't know and too many things we get wrong throughout our lives. Yet Jesus claims to be truth and in doing so claims to be one with God. The words of John 1.1 sets the stage for this very fact. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. In this one sentence, Jesus is proclaiming, John is proclaiming Jesus as the word, which would have suggested that he is the beginning and culmination of all that has been true throughout eternity, 
and that to seek the truth ultimately leads us to seek him. When we seek to figure out what the truth is and what is a lie, we can measure it against the words of Jesus, who himself is the truth. Jesus is the way, right? When when we don't know which way to go, he is the way. We just follow him. That's that's what we follow, all right? I know you're going to want specific details. You're going to want want specific answers. Think about it this way. Thomas wants specific answers. Thomas wants specific details. He doesn't get those answers. He doesn't get those details. He's told, I am the way. You just follow me. You follow my teaching. You follow what you have learned from me. That's what you follow. When, when everything is confusing, in a sense, in life, your GPS is broken, nothing works, your smartphone won't give you directions, Siri is not answering, Alexa doesn't care what, you, what, what you're going through, you have to follow Jesus. That's the direction. That's what you follow, right? That's the only way. And when it comes to truth, so when you're in a world where there is so much misinformation, so many lies, so many conspiracy theories, even within the church, nobody seems to know the truth anymore. Nobody trusts anyone. Everything is called into question. It doesn't matter if, if medical experts are, 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 are called into question. Everyone thinks that they have the truth. Everyone thinks they can figure out the truth. We live in a world where truth is... I don't even know if truth even exists anymore in the minds of most people. When you don't know what the truth is, you look to Jesus. He is that truth. And again, how do we look to Jesus? This is not some mystical thing where we're trying to hear a voice. No, we look to what Jesus taught. We look to the word of God. That's what we look to. That's what we look to over and over and over again. He is the way. He is the truth. This leads to the last thing, the life. I am the life. This saying also draws us back to the shepherd analogy of John 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And again, I'm just reading the translation that's in the the, the article that I'm reading from 2018. Um. I typically use the King James just so that everybody, you know, know, just in case this is the first time you're listening. All right, here we go. Here, Jesus is not only painting a picture of how he defends and leads his sheep, but also foreshadowing his death on the cross. But if this is true, why do Christians struggle in life? Why do we still endure pain and heartache? Because this life is not the point. The life, this life is not our ultimate goal and does not encompass the entirety of who we are. This life is a mere drop in the ocean of eternity and serves as a starting block on the marathon that leads us to our goal of eternal life. We can slow it down. We can spend time and money and energy working to fight against it, but we can't stop it from marching forward. Jesus is teaching us that we, that we are to be really concerned with is not this life, but with eternal life. The scripture speaks often of the life to come after our life on this earth. And as we follow the voice of our shepherd, and when we say the voice, his word, right? Not some voice that you try to hear. We can grasp what that eternal life is in the here and now. We can live this life in such a way that we are not chasing things that don't last, but chasing the things that do last and have eternal significance. This type of life has eternal impact only 
not only for us, but for those around us. When Jesus refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life, he's giving us a better way to live our lives through him. He's showing us that through following him daily in faith, we lead, uh, will lead us to a better, richer, more meaningful life than we could ever find on our own. And the person who wrote that is Jason Sorosky. I don't know anything about his theology or his background, but I came across this article and thought it was very interesting. Now, he doesn't, his, his concept that when Jesus says he is the life, it's simply what, how this person explains it is that, that Jesus is the life. And this indicates that it, that the uh, life here is not the purpose. It's life eternal. All right. I think it's important to realize this. And I want to, I want to bring this right back to John 14, one, let not your heart be troubled. What are some things that can trouble your heart? Number one, what can trouble your heart is when you don't know the way. You don't know the next step. You don't know what to do. You are confused. You're lost. You're fearful, anxiety, worry. You don't know what to do. Well, follow Jesus. He is the way. There is the way. The way is Jesus. Open up your Bible. Look to Jesus. Look to his word. That's what you look to. Now, I know you're going to want specific directions. I know you're going to want specifics. Jesus did not give Thomas the specific directions. He says, I am the way. Thomas is like, I don't know which way to go. I am the way. Sometimes we're like, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? He's already giving you the answer. He is the way. That's the direction you go. All right? Not knowing the way can cause a troubled heart. All right? Jesus is the truth. Sometimes... What can trouble our hearts is when we don't know what the truth is and we are confused and there just seems lies all around us, misinformation and confusion that can give us a troubled heart. We sometimes don't even know where the truth is. Jesus is the truth. We look to him. He gives us the way. He gives us the truth. A lack of knowing the way and a lack of knowing the truth can lead to a troubled heart. And sometimes, listen, what can trouble our heart is the reality that this life is fleeting. That this life that we're holding on to, right? The life that I currently possess right now because I'm alive, I don't know when it's going to end. It could be in five minutes from now. It could be six months from now. I don't know, but it's going to come to end. No matter what I do, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try to hold on to it, it's it's going to be gone. You... I, there, there is no guarantee. I, I use, I've used this example before. I was in uh, the United States military and I worked in the flight, flight surgeon's office, right? Because I worked in the medical world. So I'm in flight medicine, working in the flight surgeon's office. And the commander of flight medicine, he was Mr. He was health nut. I mean, he ran marathons. He wouldn't eat anything, anything that he considered to be junk food, healthy, 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 healthy. And he made sure everyone else know, knew that they weren't healthy and that they were eating junk and they were going to die. Well, I got tasked with doing the minutes for the meeting that they were, we were having one Friday afternoon. Um, I don't know how I ended up getting tasked with it, but I was to take the minute. So I had to record, had to record the meeting. And then I had, I was going to have to then, you know, transcribe all of the minutes for it. I'm like, okay. So I'm going into the meeting and I bring, well, I, I, I don't, I, well, I've always eaten a lot of junk food and I, well, I, I was, I, I, well, I, I did. And so I brought everything you could think of with me. I had, I had 
well, in Texas, we call it Coke, which means any kind of soda. Other places you call it soda, but I brought, I brought Cokes. I had chips. I had candy bars. I had everything. I had my, I had my, because I didn't know how long the meeting was going to be. And I, and I didn't really care what was going on in the meeting and I'm recording it anyway. So when I transcribe the notes, it doesn't really matter if I pay, I pay attention. I was just going to make sure that I had plenty of nourishment forever, how long this meeting was going to go on a Friday afternoon. And I hit record on the, on the, on the tape recorder, just get it ready and just set it there. And I was just going to, you know, sit back. And the, he, the commander walks in and he looks at me and he's like, you're going to die. And I'm like, wait, okay, am I being threatened here? And he's like, you're going to die. Look at that junk. You're going to die. And I looked at him and I'm like, I'll make a bet. You're going to die before me. He was like, no way. No way. You're going to die before me. And I'm like, okay, all right. You're going to die before me. I guarantee it. You're going to die before me. Everyone laughs. Everybody goes on about their business. And of course, all of this is recorded on tape. And I, the meeting ends. I go home. Don't think anything about it. I come walking in Monday morning. Everybody, it's like you could tell something was wrong. There was like a dark cloud over the office. Everybody was like somber. Everybody was like, did you hear what happened? I'm like, what happened? The commander died. Died of a heart attack. I'm like, what? He died of a heart attack. And everybody's like, you remember what, what you said? And then someone pulls up the, the get, grabs the tape recorder and plays it. And it's, it, it's me saying, you're going to die. And they're like, that's crazy. Can you believe this happened? And I was absolutely startled, but it just demonstrates that we are not guaranteed another second or another minute. No matter what we do, we're not, we're not guaranteed. Now, by no means am I saying that you should eat the foods that I eat and not care about yourself and take care about your, care for yourself because that, that sometimes deems the quality of the life that you do have forever, how long you're going to be here. So. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to use that to illustrate that you don't know when it's going to happen. It's just, it's, it's gone. It's gone. And that can trouble your heart. That can trouble your heart. You, Cause you don't know when it's going to happen, but you do know this, you're getting closer and closer and closer. And I don't know, there's going to come a birthday. I don't know what birthday it's going to be, but you're going to look at a birthday. You're going to have a birthday one day. And all of a sudden you're going to stop and realize, man, if, if I live to be 65, if I live to be 70, this birthday signifies I don't that I don't I have I have less time to live than I've already lived like that. My time is running out now. You're, it's almost now you see that the hourglass is starting to run out. And you realize that you're fast approaching it and that can lead to a troubled heart that can lead to discouragement and depression. But you got to realize that the life you have is not life. In a sense, it's just, it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a pretend life. The real life is in Christ. That's the life you have. And that life is eternal. That life, I mean, that life is waiting for you in heaven in a sense, because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And he's right there next to the father. He's at the right hand of the father. Your life is preserved. Your life is reserved for you in heaven. And when this life ends, you receive that life. In a sense, I know we already have eternal life, but I'm just trying to use it in an illustrative way to realize that the life you have right now, that physical life, that will end. And when that physical life ends, then the eternal life begins. Now, I know someone said, well, you already have that eternal life. I understand that. But this physical life, your heart's still going to stop beating. You're still going to die unless Christ returns. That can bring a troubled heart. 
Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because when you don't know the way, Jesus is the way. When you are living in a world of misinformation and lies and nobody seems to know the truth and everybody's arguing about the truth and you're just so confused and you don't know what to believe, Jesus is the truth. And when you begin to, to, your heart becomes troubled because there's death all around you, loved ones are dying, you're worried about your own death, remember that the life you have is not really the life. This is just something that's temporary, but the life is in Christ. He is that eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, which should lead you not to have a troubled heart. There. Some devotional thoughts on a Friday evening. I hope you find that to be beneficial. There's far more I could say, but I'll just leave it to you. And you, and, and well, you, you can just share your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. God bless.